Welcome to our weekly Wednesday Shear. Dilu Nishmas, Ruzlan Bas, Ochachan of Ezra. As we come up to the 11th month now, it's the Malka, Bas Ruzlan Marachetalach, Yitzchok, Shimon ben Yitzchok, and Masha Bas Yitzchok. Parsha Shlach, the Shabbos. Today is Chav Gimel Sivan. Chav Gimel Sivan is a Yain Segula. It's a special day in that. On this day, the Rebbe tells us one can write and ask from Hashem all that they need, all that they like to beseech from God. And Chav Gimel Sivan Rebbe says, all the scribes of the king, king of the world, are called together, and they asked and write, they, this is the time of, of uh, Marachai and Esther, Marachai called together to write, each one to the Jewish nation, the Am Mardachai, they should do the mitzvahs that he writes to them, each and every one, Yidin, Zabalabos, on his own behavior, his own personal behavior, and therefore it is befitting to do according to his Ratzin, according to his will. Therefore every Yid, being a Balabas, as we said, on the entire world on this day, and can decree whatever he wants, and everything is done according to his will, and he's encouraged to use this opportunity to the fullest, to have written in Shemayim, all our needs be fulfilled. Amen Kei everyone should see to it, please, to write a letter, you can send it to the oil very simply at oil, ohel o-h-e-l at ohelchabad.org you forward your letter to the ohel and it gets brought to the Rebbe Marachai Tzadik was the Moshe Rabbein of his generation, the leader. Therefore, as he decreed and as he said, beseechingly, each and every Jew, to seize this opportunity on this day, and to see to it that you daven, that Hashem give us all that we need, health, wealth, shidduchim, children, inner joy, inner peace, inner happiness. One should actually feel the goodness and the kindness of Hashem Yisbarach. 
There's a fellow, I don't remember the name, used to sell dairy, dairy products, milk, etc. One day, he had a drought. Nobody came to buy. And he knew his wife would not be happy with that. So immediately he wrapped his hand in a major big towel and he came home with his full wagon of wares. And he's standing in front of the wagon. His wife comes out and sees him with his big towel in his hand. And she says, what happened to your hand? He says, you know that hill that I go to to get to work? To the place of work? She says, yes, it's very steep. If a wagon turns over over there and a person falls off the wagon, they can trust shalom. Who knows what could happen to them? Is that what happened to you? Did you fall off the wagon? But you have to understand, it's not just a hand, a foot. A whole person can get crushed, in such a case, such a situation. And she's already hysterical, and she's crying, and she's begging to see what happened to his hand. Is that what happened to your hand? He says, actually, and he's unwrapping his hand, he takes out the towel, he says, actually, no, nothing happened to me, Baruch Hashem. Oh, she was so happy and so relieved. And he says to them, also, I didn't have any sales today. So, in the spirit of being so happy and overwhelmed and overjoyed that he was just in one piece, the quote-unquote bad news was totally wiped away. Is it bad news? How do we take quote-unquote bad news, air quote bad news? We've spoken about many times the difference of Yakiva and everything that God does is for the good, or Gamzu Tava, this is for the good. But in this week's parsha, Shlach everybody says, What's Pasha Shlach about? Oh, it's about the spies. Everybody knows. Ask any child what happened. Moshe sent the spies. Once they came back, they were despised. And the Jews ended up wandering now in the desert for 40 years. That's what Pasha Shlach is all about. So let's dig a little deeper into the Pasha and listen to different thoughts and mitzvahs in this Pasha. One of which the first of your doughs you should separate chala truma prior to that it talks about people that were serving idol worship immediately the question comes to it begs to ask the pashas of Edezara why is pashas chala next to the pashas of Edezara tell us to tell you Everybody who does and completes the mitzvah of chala, as if they nullified idol worship. So all those lashem tzitkanis that see to it every Friday, they take chala from their dough or Thursday, whatever they bake. Let it be known that you're not just doing a mitzvah that makes a bracha lahafresh chala, that is chala, etc., you are literally eradicating Avidah Zara. 
Kim scored home the Gemara Shabbos Lamed Aleph and Aleph. Chazal tell us Emunas. What's Emunas? When we say Emunas, something in the Torah that's called Emunas, believe. The Seder Zroyim, Seder Zroyim. Mishnah is divided in six Sedarim, six parts. Zroyim Ayid Kachim, Zroyim Lashem Taharis. And Zikin, and the order of Zirayim, the first of Sisha Siddha Mishnah, is referred to as Emunas. And Tesis explains over there Emunas explains the name of the Yerushalmi, the Mari Yerushalmi. That the reason is because Maimin Bechines Elomim Bechaye Elomim Vizera He believes in the life of the perpetual of the worlds and its planting. Which means to say, when a person goes out into his field and plows his field and plants in his field and sets up a shop to now wait for it to grow. He does not rely on his expertise. He does not say, oh, I'm an expert plower, I make perfect holes. He doesn't even rely on the seeds. Oh, I bought the greatest stock of seeds this year, or I made the greatest stock of seeds this year from last year, or whatever. For those who know how to make seeds and get seeds and grow seeds for planting. Oh, I have the best irrigation system. He doesn't think anything of the sort. Rather, he believes that God, the Almighty God, He may His name be blessed, sees to it that His tevua will grow. Why? And only because of that, he's Zerea, he's planting it. And therefore, when we refer to Seder Zerayim, we refer to Seder Zerayim, we refer to it as Emuna. Because it's based, a person plants only on belief. Unbelief. Belief in Hashem that Hashem is going to see to it that his field grows. So since each person, each Jew knows all the natural ways of things that happen in this world at every living moment is all rejuvenated and renewed through God Himself. As we say, He renews in, with a good, in good stead each day, the creation of the world, my Sivereshes. Therefore, it's clear and simple that HaKadosh Baruch Himself is the one that's ruling and running the world. And the laws of nature, as we may know them, 
are not like a, an axe that's, that chops a piece of wood. The axe in, in, in the wood chopper's hand. HaKadosh Baruch uses all these things to influence on his creations. Who hanesin l'chalkeach l'aseis choyol. Person cannot say keichem ve'esim yadi aseis choyol. That my strength, my hands did this. Rather, it's the nesin l'keach l'aseis choyol. HaKadosh Baruch Hu that gave him the capability and the strength to do this. And therefore it says, Beirachta Hashem, He, Birchas Hashem, Hita Hashem. Only the blessings of God will make a person wealthy. So therefore this is the whole mitzvah of Chalom. person understands and recognizes this dough that comes in a natural term. In other words, I made a dough. How did I make a dough? I took wheat, I took flour. I don't usually take the wheat itself. I usually buy a bag of flour. And I put it in the, in the, in the sifter. Some people don't sift it. Some have pre-sifted. And I put it in a bowl. And I add to it ingredients, each to their own. Some make... Some make with eggs and without eggs, some with this and with that, and with the yeast and with the sugar and with the salt. And with all the ingredients that each woman likes to put into their challah. <coughs> I apologize to all men that make challah as well. And they need it. At K N E A D. Yeah, they need it. They punch it, they roll it, they put it together, they. The Rebbe instituted that in the main beam in the house, in the kitchen, on a, in the kitchen on a main beam in the house, there should be put a tzedakah box. Because whenever we pray, we should give tzedakah. And therefore, the woman, when, for example, when she makes her dough, prayers her dough for challah, she says a little prayer before the taking off the challah. That may this dough rise, may it taste good, etc. And then they cover the dough. That's because the natural order is to cover the dough. The bug shouldn't get on it or that it should keep warmer or whatever it might be. And lo and behold, a short while later, you see that towel that you covered the the dough with starts to rise up, and the dough is picking it up. Every woman knows, I didn't just do that. That's not my creation. It's my recipe. It's the toil of my hands. But I didn't make that happen. And only HaKadosh Baruch could do that. And therefore, when they say a little prayer, they put a little coin in tzedakah before, after they say the prayer. Davening 
and anticipating that their dough should come out well. So too with anything else, when they're cooking in the kitchen, women are always praying. <clears throat> and therefore, HaKadosh Baruch says, Reishis HaRiseiseichem, not in the form of a derogatory tzedakah, The entire dough belongs to HaKadosh Baruch Thereby, whoever is Mekayim, Mitzvah Chala, as if they nullified idol worship. Because by Mekayim, the Mitzvah Chala, person shows that it's not my, it's not my strength. Nothing can happen. Mm-hmm. Nothing can be caused. Nothing can be affected. Mibalade Hashem. Parnosa is not held back from itself. According to natural laws, everything comes from Akadosh Baruch Himself. And thereby, in recognition of Akadosh Baruch Hu's handiwork, as we say it, the person is immediately nullifying and pushing away the concept of Avedizara, of idol worship. Chas v'shalom, chas v'shalom, think or say that it comes from any other source except for HaKadosh Baruch himself. And therefore, everything that one does and everything that happens to a person, or happens with a person, happens for a person, one needs to understand that it all comes from the hand of God, and God has the master plan. Therefore we need to take it, and we need to make the best of everything that goes on in our lives, and we need to see to it that we bring into fruition God's blessing that He bestowed upon us and we make it result we make it form to make us stronger to make us happier to make us bigger believers in Hashem's handiwork And therefore, on this day of Gimel Sivan, again, we ask each and every person to beseech upon Shalaylam, send everyone all that they need, whether they know they need it or they don't know they need it, in a good way, in a good fashion, in a speedy way. Another story happens in this parasha, towards the end of the parasha. They found a person chopping wood on Shabbos. That's open hill Shabbos in front of people. People asked him to stop, told him they're not allowed to. He continued. 
was brought to Moshe and ultimately, unfortunately, was punished according to the punishment of desecrating Shabbos. This too happens now in our parasha, right after the story of the Meraglim. And Mather says, the shame Shemayim Niskavim. He had pure intentions when he went out there and chopped the wood. Shoim Yisrael, because the Eden was saying, Kevish in Ixalayan, Shedekonis Lanitz, since it was decreed upon them that they would not be allowed to enter the Holy Land because of what happened now with the spies he no longer obligated with mitzvahs therefore Almari stood up he stood up chopped wood as Mechal Shabbos in an open, blatant fashion so that all should see that Shabbos is still holy, Shabbos has to be kept holy and Shabbos cannot be desecrated and although he was ultimately put to death for this he did it in the name of Hashem so that the Yidin should see that mitzvahs still exist Um, the problem, of course, how it was taken, how people understood it, and how people were able to eat it. What was going through the people's heads that they thought now that because the Miraglim because of the decree that they're going to have to wander in the desert now for 40 years, they're no longer obligated to do mitzvahs. How does this work? Brought down that there are differences, there's a big difference in the service of B'nai Yisrael while they were in the desert and the way they would have to act in the Holy Land in the desert the Jews were involved with spiritual Torah their main study of Torah was in the mind in the heart in a spiritual fashion. On the flip side, once they entered the Holy Land of Israel, a person needed to stop working in their fields, and plowing, and reaping, physical labor in order to make parnasa. they no longer had the mon, no longer had the naniyakovayit, all the things that kept them, that gave them sustenance and protection in the desert was gone. And they'd have to go into a mundane world, per se, and do it all on their own, physically. 
Therefore, the main avedin is so. Or mitzvahs meisius, physical mitzvahs that a person will be mekayim. In the midbar, you couldn't give truma, you couldn't give meisa. In the midbar, you had a limited way of doing any kind of mitzvahs. Now, coming into the land, they have to give leket and shikha and peya, and that they have everything, all the mitzvahs that are involved in the fields, and all the mitzvahs of shechita, the way had the person had to shecht and kasha. The way the person, although they did shecht in the desert, but they didn't really because that's where they had this love. But now, if you wanted to eat, you had no other choice. And thereby taking from your flour and your wheat and making your chalas and giving tzedakah and all these things are done now only in Eretz Yisrael that could not happen in the desert. Believe it or not, that was the Miraglim's main frame sin. That was their state of mind that set things in the wrong direction. Why would they talk bad about the Holy Land? And the reason they spoke badly, so vehemently badly, again, say that the land was not nice. And that's it. Nah. It's, a, the hy- it's, it's hyped. It's overkill. There's more hype to it. There's too much hype to it. Malaysia blew it up. Malaysia blows it out of proportion. Nah. We're wasting our time. Bad enough. Bad enough. But that wasn't what they say. They go on to say, we're going to get swallowed up there. It's a land that eats up their dwellers. And it's Eichel And also, the inhabitants there will destroy us. We will no way be able to battle them. No way can we fight them. A lot of salt and pepper added to this thing, to this report, to really, really give a bad taste to the Jews. These were no janitors, these guys. They were holy, holy men that Moshe hand chose. Why would they come up with such, such deep, vehement, venomous report against that itself? Why did they not want to go in? The simple reason that as I'll tell us they felt they could not serve God properly in Israel. It's not going to be the same. It won't be the same. The spirituality and the spirituality level that we're at now is going to be diminished is going to be destroyed and it's not happening I don't, we don't want it the result tells us Taylor was only given to be dated through the, those who ate the mon for those that ate the mon were only involved in spirituality. They didn't have any physicality in the world. And therefore, 
they could clear-headedly and purely, as they are, the souls are pure, from not being tainted by anything else, therefore they were a wonderful vessel to study Tatum. Whereas, once we go into the land and we start to eat foods, excuse me, that are magushim, that are physical, and we make a bracha, but we don't really have the proper intentions when we eat the food. The food is not doing, it's not serving its purpose. One needs to eat food just to know that they're living to serve God. This food is helping me sustain myself so that I may serve Hashem. If one doesn't have the proper intentions and just eats the food gluttonously and says, Mmm, that's what I'm looking for. Then this is not a refining point for the person's body. Nor for the person's mind. And therefore the people that sat in the desert and lived in the desert, existed in the desert, and sustained themselves from the mon, lechem mina shamayim, bread from heaven, therefore they, these people had a different level of being able to grasp the study of Torah. Therefore, once the decree was put down, brought down, that the Jews were required to stay in the desert for 40 years, they made a terrible error, they made this mistake, and they said, "Uh uh-oh, we're no longer obligated to do mitzvahs. Because they needed to serve and serve God spiritually till now. And this is the work how the person served God in the desert. Physical mitzvahs were only shaykh in Israel, not in the desert. Desert life is over. Israel life has not started. So on this hiatus between desert life and holy land life, we don't have to do anything. Therefore came the Mekesh He came and he chopped wood to show everybody. And therefore it says, the Shem Shemayim Neskaven. He did this to sanctify God's name. And his Machshava and his Seichu were complete with God and Tera. But still in all, he desecrated the Shabbos and therefore was obligated to be stoned. But the Maiseh Hua Iker... The action is what it's all about. This Aveda Ruchnius needs to be done. Kima Mitzvah's Maisis Actually doing physical Mitzvah's. And this is what was important or pertinent to the Mnei in the desert. That although most of their service was Teda and understanding in Seichel and Machshava, still in all, they were still obligated. Mitzvah Maisius. Word Mitzvah comes from Tzavsa, 
Tzarsa V'chibur Attaching and attaching oneself through mitzvahs is how a person, physical world, can attach oneself to Hakadosh Baruch There is a dictum: Einus Rachmana Patri. Einus. Something that happens by accident. Rachmana Patri. Rachmana referring, of course, to Taylor, but Rachmana also meaning Akadosh Baruch himself, the one and only compassionate one. The world, in the natural order, seems circumstantial. Seems, therefore, that a person, the circumstances in which they find themselves, plays a major role in their lives, plays a major role more so in their their physical life than in their spiritual lives. And thereby find themselves the sheep amongst the wolves. And they have a choice. They have the freedom of choice to say, I'm going to run with the wolves. I will not be a sheep. This is where I was placed. This is the tools which I was given. This is the card which I was dealt. I'll do it my way. And then we have the Nishamala. The Nishamala that finds its way back. The Nishamala that finds its way into the fold and says that finds for some reason some spark, something they could have seen on the road, something they could have seen as they walked by somebody, something they could have read in a newspaper, something they could have seen on a billboard, something that could have happened shocking them whatever it might be that all of a sudden I hate to use the expression, shows them the light but brings them closer to the light of Hashem brings them closer to the words of Tehra Mitzvah keeping Shabbos, keeping Yom Tov One of the families we're very close with, unfortunately, at the moment, still is not eating totally kosher at home. And one of the families, families they're friend with, friends with, and their children are friendly with each other, had a, let's say, I guess in America they call it a play date. Kids are 11 years old, so it's not exactly a play date, but the, his friend came over to visit. His friend came to visit, and they sat down to dinner. 
And the friend very politely said, excuse me, uh, I don't think I'm joining you. What happened? <laughs> we know families know each other. We at home started to keep kosher. I don't believe you've seen there with the yamaka the boy, but at home the family decided to keep kosher, and not to insult you that you're not kosher, but you're obviously not. And therefore, I will not be joining you. What inspired his family to start keeping kosher? I don't know. Will this one encounter with this 11-year-old boy inspire this family now to start keeping kosher? We also don't know. It's a tremendous test. It's a tremendous nesoyen for people. Keeping kosher is more expensive. Keeping kosher is very hard. In some, some circles, if you're a vegetarian, then the only part of keeping kosher is checking your vegetables. But then you have those that just don't eat meat, and some don't eat chicken, and some that don't eat fish, and some that just don't eat just, 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 just. Whatever it might be, whatever your spiritual diet and journey take you, eating kosher is more expensive, and in, most, in a lot of cases, harder to acquire. Although in 2022... It's not exactly totally accessible to everybody. I know my son in New Zealand, has to, what he has to go through to get kosher food, kosher meat, kosher chicken. If he wants kosher chicken, he makes it himself. He goes and slaughters the chicken himself. And the meat has to come in from Australia. Not simple. But, it's important because kosher food kosher wine kosher milk all these things affect the spiritual part of our soul and the spiritual part of our body and therefore somebody who doesn't eat kosher not careful about the wines that he drinks, Chas can cause themselves tremendous harm spiritually. So we need to understand, we need to prepare ourselves, we need to know what mitzvahs maizias are, and although we find ourselves sometimes in a den of lions, of sharks, we need to keep swimming, we need to keep, we need to persevere. And we need to see to it that we overcome the Yetzirah. And even if our education was subpar, or none whatsoever 
and we're still having a hard time figuring out the difference between the Aleph and the Beis. We need to forge ahead. Whatever we do know, we need to improve. We need to work very hard at it, diligently at it, and make it work, make it happen. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu will thereby bless all our endeavors with joy and with happiness, and especially on this special day, the 23rd day of Sivan, a day which we can beseech, we can reach out, we can ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu everything that we need, we should take that, not take it for granted, but take advantage of it. And the best way to do so is writing it down, penning it, as we say, inking it, putting it on paper, or if you want, today's day and age, you can text it. Send this letter to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I, what people do today, since they don't know HaKadosh Baruch Hu's address, is they send it to the gravesite of a tzaddik and beseech the tzaddik to take it for them. So again, I'll give you that email address, ohel, O-H-E-L, at ohel chabad, O-H-E-L, C-H-A-B-A-D, dot O-R-G. Mm-hmm. And you can email your letters, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu should answer each and every one of us, the table of fulfill all our heart's desires for good and for blessing. Pasha's Shlach starts off, as we said before, already a few times, with the sin of the spies. The Miraglam is then known. The grave sin of the spies who came and told, who frightened the Jews. However, Bahalescha, the Pasha prior, finished off also with a story of Miriam Hanavia, as we spoke last week, that also spoke ill of her brother and thereby was punished with the leprosy and was outside of the camp of Israel for seven days. Nothing is coincidental in life, especially not in Teda. So therefore, if the sequence runs, the story of Miriam, and then the story of the spies, we need to find a connection although they are two different parshas. So Rashi says, because Rashi is the champion of the Mechamash Mikra, the Mechamash Mikra remembers learning last week the end of the parsha, the story of Miriam and Avia, and now this parsha starts off with the Meraglam, and this is why, Pachimu, why Lama Nismecha Pashas Miraglim, the Pashas Miriam? Why are they bringing one next to the other? And Ashi tells him, tells us that Vishalaksal Iske Diba, because she got punishment, she was punished, she got punished for the 
words, the wording that she had used, that she spoke, she spoke about her brother. Then Rashi goes on to call the spies, the Miraglim, wicked and evil people. They saw what happened, they did not take Musa. They did not take heed. They did not say, whoops. We got to watch how we talk. You just saw this happen. The whole Kuala Yisrael was sitting still for seven days waiting for Miriam to be healed. And everybody knew what happened to her, what she did, and why she was punished. For talking badly about her brother. And these wicked people went and didn't blink an eye and went and spoke so severely bad about the Holy Land. It was a very strong question about this whole Miraglim situation. That we just simply don't understand what went on here. What was the actual sin? The Ramban says, Mesha said to them, I want you to go to the land, go see what land is. And not only that, but the people that are sitting there, tell me about them too. So, obviously, they needed to return and answer Mesha what he asked. So, what's the sin? They answered what he told them, what he asked them. We remember from Kayasara, from Sara Imenu, who passed away because the Sultan came to her and told her that Avram shechted Yitzchak Kimat. Now, the simple Mepharshim say that because he told her that Avram shechted Yitzchak, she died. But we explained several times because he added the word Kemat, that's why she died. When he told her almost, and she found out her son was not fit to bring it, to be brought as a karm, to be brought as a sacrifice, Pachar said she couldn't take that. That was too painful. Had she known that her son was sacrificed to God, her, fa- her husband did it, and her fa- son accepted it, she was good with that, because she knew that her husband only did the will of God. But the fact that he didn't do it, and he was, she was told that he didn't do it because, not because he couldn't bring himself to do it, because he was stopped. She was told that he was not allowed to do it after God told him to do it. Adding that one word. (laughs) 
Rashi answers Lo Menisro Parshas Meragel the Parshas Miriam the Fisha Loksa Al Iske Diber Shedaver Diber Vachel for she was punished on the mad on the, on the improper language that she used about her brother. Miriam did not say a lie. She didn't lie. She wasn't even looking to embarrass Moshe. It was Iske Dibo. She Dibro It was not nice what she said. It was to an extent derogatory but not blasphemous. Not at a level of, of, of God knows what she could have possibly said about him. She said the truth. But she spoke. In the actual actions of Misha that she said were true. The fact that she didn't understand the behavior of Misha, she should have gone and asked Misha, confronted him as a brother and sister, face to face, privately, not elaborating and talking publicly. Now, the truth is, the public was only to her brother Aaron, according to most opinions, but nonetheless. Because the mere fact that she went out and had this dialogue about Moshe, about his behavior, uncomplimentarily it didn't enhance Moshe's, Moshe's um, status. It had, the status didn't affect. It didn't enhance his main state picture, his campaign promise, but rather it was a little derogatory. The sin of the Meraglim, although they could not understand how we're going to conquer this land, how are we going to do this? How are we going to conquer and destroy these people that are living in the land? They're so big and powerful <laughs> nobody asked you nobody asked you be precise and answer what Moshe asked and the rest you go over and tell Moshe quietly but when they elaborated in public and they spoke Lashen Dibo This was already a direct attack on God. And thereby bringing the Jews to say, Nitna Reish Vinashuva Mitzrayma. 
it was planted in their head again to go back to Egypt. And therefore, these two pashas are one next to the other. They teach us the mainstay problem is dibre iske diba. We need to be very, very careful about what we say, about who we say it to, and who we say it about. In other words, so careful that we should not be talking to somebody else about a third party. Because inevitably, you're going to say one slight word derogatorily. And if God forbid you do that, you're causing horrific, horrific pain to the person, and you're causing terrific, horrific flashback in the world of Seder. Meshe is told by God, Shlach Lachad, Lashem, Yusur, Zed, Kedan. She Nason, the Nason, is commandment from God. And we know Rashi tells us, Shlach Lachad, doesn't say Shlach Anoshim, it says Shlach Lachad Anoshim. Rashi says the word Lachad means the Daitacha, your opinion. You choose. You decide. You want to send, you don't want to send. Not forcing you. I, in my opinion, you shouldn't send. You decide. So Moshe sends the spies. Forty years ahead, Yeshua is now leading the land, leading the, the drive of the Jewish nation. He's at the helm. And takes them into Eretz Yisrael. Prior to doing so, he sends spies. What's going on here? Again, you didn't learn from Asia? Again, you're sending spies. Genius. You're a student. Try student. But there was obviously a major difference between Moshe's spies and, and Yeshua's spies. Moshe sent them with the knowledge of the entire nation. And they walked into the land brazenly and didn't even try to hide themselves. That's why they heard Kachagovim, etc., etc. Yeshua's spies were sent quietly. The Jews didn't know about it and the land didn't know about it. They snuck in. This is Negea So this is a major difference how Moshe sent his with pomp and stance and Yeshua sent his in silence and told them be very very careful go like real spies don't march down Main Street. Take side streets. Several differences come about here. What is the mission of a spy? 
twofold. To simplify the conquering of the land, to know which side to go in, which is easier, which will be easier to travel through, which will be easier to breach, which will be easier to attack first, etc. And secondly, to know if the land is worth anything to go conquer. And you come back and tell them, whoa, we got a winner here. It's a desolate land, and a land of, of pestilence and everything else. Who's going in? They tell them the beauty of the land. Everybody says, okay, let's do this. If Mesha would have gone into Hetzel, this would have been done through HaKadosh Baruch Hu, in a miraculous form. Same way Moshe says to the Miraglim, to despise Hashem Alekechem Ahelech Ufmechem Hu Yilochem Lechem. God, our God, your God, that goes before you, He will do the battle. The Jews did not have to know what's the easiest way to go in and conquer. It was not a natural form here. Sending in the spies was only to know how beautiful the land was. To give everybody that tremendous yearn, that push, to say, let's do this. But conquering a land through Yeshua was not miraculous at all, practically. He had to go through, he had to do all the natural channels, and therefore his spies needed to know exactly how to conquer the land, which way to go in, which way to go around. So now we understand that, that the reason the Miragli Moshe did not hide themselves, because the conquering was not the problem. It would have been done miraculous. They were not concerned with a natural way of battle. Whereas Yeshua told them to hide because everything had to be done in a physical, worldly fashion. First, one of my friends I daven with every morning when we finish davening, he screams out, Sushpet, it's late! No matter how late we finish, no matter how early we finish. And his cry is simply, it's late for Mashiach. Mashiach is late. There is no longer any reason, any rhyme, any excuse for Mashiach to hold us back, to refrain from coming, and to miraculously take us out of this Golas, this Shabbos, before this Shabbos, and to give us the opportunity where they bring their, they make their chalas and they eradicate all they eradicate all wickedness and bad from the world and thereby will only be Mal Lord is there, Sashem Kamayim Leon Machasim. Good Shabbos to all.